Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. This may go without saying, but I love a good scary story. I joined the Midnight Society via my living room every Saturday night and watching horror movies instead of most cartoons. But my love for these kinds of stories, it really started before all of that. It started with experiencing scary things in real life. Sometimes they were nightmares, and other times the nightmares continued even while awake. It can be comforting to have explanations for the things we experience, the things we don't always understand. And as above, so below. Those explanations can leave you feeling just as uneasy as the experiences themselves. Some events I never got real answers for, leaving me forever curious to learn about the real-life scary stories of others. So, let's get started, shall we? During my sophomore year of high school, so 2000, I had one of those unexplained experiences. I mean, I can explain what I heard, even what I felt, but that still doesn't fully explain what happened. Lucky for me, I wasn't alone. I was with two of my friends, and a random civilian would cross paths with us just as we experienced this event. So what I'm saying is that I'm not crazy, and if I am, then so are the other three people that were in the woods that day. My friends and I would often hang out in the woods. They were just behind the school. The woods led to more woods, basically leading to more woods. So no houses, just trees and a couple of creeks. A lot of nothing, which is exactly what teens are looking for. Well, right before summer, they closed off the entrance to these woods from the school. It was the only entrance we'd really ever used, so we explored new ways to get into the woods. Without officially trespassing, we'd found what we assumed was an entrance into the woods. Upon entering, one of my friends asked if we should drop crumbs or something so we didn't get lost. We laughed at the time, not thinking he was serious. In fact, he wasn't serious. So we just walked through and onward. After about five or six minutes of walking, I looked at my watch and asked my friends if we should stop smoke a cigarette, and maybe just smoke a joint where we were, as it seemed like we'd gone far enough into the woods. They didn't agree, though. So again, onward, we went. It was probably 15 minutes into following my friends that I asked them to wait up. Suddenly I felt sort of dizzy. We hadn't smoked any weed yet, so I assumed it was the cigarette I'd decided to light up. But then I heard something strange, crying. It was in the distance, possibly ahead of us, maybe behind us. 
I stopped in my tracks and thought that I was losing it. Then, both of my friends turned around, looking about as unsettled as I was feeling inside. We stood in silence about five to ten feet apart from each other. The crying continued. It sounded like a woman, but yet there was some sort of distortion to the cry, and it made it incredibly uncomfortable. We decided let's book it back the way we came. Both of my friends headed towards me, and we started to hustle back towards the random entrance we'd found less than 20 minutes ago. But it was strange, the crying. As we ran, it was like the crying didn't get closer to us and it didn't get further away either. Just surrounded us, like we'd been wearing headphones listening to this twisted crying. After hustling for a minute, suddenly I stopped as I saw someone appear from behind a tree. They were as surprised as I was and let out a small shriek. Then we both, or all of us, exhaled. The woman said that she'd heard crying, that it sounded like a small child in distress. We told her that we heard the crying too, but that it didn't sound like a child. And we told her that we were running from the crying. Then we all just stood there and listened. There was no more crying. Instead, we each heard one long, loud scream, followed by the largest gust of wind I've ever felt in my life. So much force behind this gust that it almost took all four of us off our feet. Immediately after that, we all took off, back towards the entrance, and eventually we made our way out to the sidewalk. I remember leaving there feeling very uneasy. While walking home, we hardly said a word to one another. We were so spooked by the whole event that we didn't even end up getting high. In retrospect, I'm sort of glad about that part because I probably wouldn't have been able to definitively say what I heard and what I felt. Not a hundred percent anyway. But I can assure you, a hundred percent, something not so pleasant was in the woods that day. For those of you wondering, I personally never went back into the woods, so it's possible people continue to hear stuff, and it's possible that they don't. I don't recommend it, though. It leaves you with a feeling. It's not a great one, and that may be putting it a little lightly. The Dark Shadow is back. Back in 2015, I had a horrible dream. Or so I thought it was a dream. My sister had just come home from a camping trip, late at night. My shift had just ended, and I'd gotten off late due to a miscount in inventory. I was finally home and excited to ask my sister how the trip went. But she was already asleep. Me and my sister shared a bedroom at the time, so I just put my pajamas on and went to bed. I had the most horrific dream, though. 
I was laying in bed, drawing. My mother barges in, with no facial expression. I knew I was in trouble, but I couldn't understand why. She grabbed me by my shoulders, pushing me so hard I sunk into the bed. Right behind her was this older woman, in a native white gown. She had long, shiny gray hair that seemed to reach her hips. She sat at my feet and whispered, I have come to take away your soul. As she said this, I felt my soul start to leave my body. It got to my chest, and I woke up in a panic. Once I looked up, I saw this long, black shadow reaching across my ceiling. It had long, dark fingers, an oval-looking head with white, sharp teeth. I was in shock for a few seconds, and then I yelled. By the time my sister woke up, it was gone. I told my sister about my dream, and she was so scared. She told me that at camp, they were sitting around a bonfire telling scary stories. She said that a girl told her that in every dream there was an old lady and a dark shadow. Keep in mind that I didn't speak to her because she was already asleep when I got home from work. And fast forward to last night. I was trying to sleep and I saw it. The black shadow reaching over my ceiling. I blinked to see if I was imagining it, but no. I entered into a panic and I yelled. My fiancé woke up and turned the lights on. He said I yelled for more than five seconds, but it felt like it was just one. He didn't look up at the ceiling when it was gone in the blink of an eye. I haven't been able to sleep well, I feel empty, as if my soul is gone. I don't know how to feel. I haven't told my fiancé yet to not freak him out. But I'm so scared of the dark. I'm 26 years old, and I sleep with a nightlight again. So when I was younger, probably middle school, my dad and I, we believe we saw a UFO. We were driving on back roads as we always do, making the drive from Cleveland to Indianapolis. It's summertime, basically in the middle of nowhere, and there's nothing going on, weather-wise or otherwise. We've done this drive many times, as my dad travels it for work quite often and my grandparents live along the way. It's pretty peaceful, not exciting, just serene. On this drive, it was the same, peaceful and not a car in sight. But we did notice something else, a bright, big light in the sky. It seemed to appear out of nowhere. I asked my dad 
to roll my window down. And when he did, I leaned out to get a better look. I couldn't see every detail, that's for sure. But I could see enough to note that it wasn't an airplane. And not a helicopter, either. It was far too large and bright. Not to mention, it wasn't moving. As we continued to drive, it seemed to hover in place. We drove like this for several minutes, and it became clear that it was like nothing I'd ever seen. I leaned back inside the car and asked my dad if he knew what it was. He was leaned forward over the steering wheel, staring hard at this thing, but he shook his head. I leaned back out the window, but sort of jolted forward as the car came to a slow roll and then an abrupt stop. The radio spiked, creating this horrible but brief noise. I asked my dad why he stopped, but he shook his head again, telling me that he hadn't stopped the car and that the keys were still in the ignition. The car had just stopped working. I watched as my dad looked at the dashboard, fiddled with buttons, and then he shifted to the ignition, moving the keys back and forth. Each time there was nothing, not even the sound of a dead battery. I looked back up at the sky and I could still see the large hovering light, but I didn't have much time to examine it. We needed to move the car out of the middle of the road. My dad told me to hop in the driver's seat and to crank the wheel to the right while he worked to push the car. Once off to the side of the road, I pulled the emergency brake, hopped out of the car, and I looked up. The light craft thing was gone. I asked my dad if he'd seen it leave, and he told me not exactly, but that it had just happened. That he saw a flash of light out of the corner of his eye, and when he looked up, the thing was gone. We were both a bit freaked out, but we had no choice but to turn our focus to the car. My dad went to try the keys again, and it started up right away, with no issues whatsoever. We had no clue what we'd seen in the sky, not exactly. And we didn't know what could make the car react that way. But we did both agree that we thought the two were definitely related. And we thought the car issues made for a decent distraction for that thing to disappear. So, what do you think we saw? Have you ever seen it? When I was younger, I used to walk to our local cemetery and then wander around the cemetery, just admiring the ordinate gravestones and the mausoleums. I got used to the sounds and sights of the cemetery. That was until one evening. Something was off. I wandered around with a large sense of unease, almost as if I was being watched. I end up at my favorite mausoleum and my sense of unease just grew to an intense measure. I looked through the window on the door, 
and I see what appears to be someone walking around in the corner. Knowing that the grounds crew wasn't there this late, who could this be? I shout, hey. It looks at me and appears to vanish into thin air. The next evening, I do as I normally do and walk to the cemetery and wander. I walk past this other but smaller mausoleum and I get a chill and feel paranoia strike. I initially think nothing of it until I hear a creepy, deep giggle. I immediately turn back to the mausoleum I had just passed and I see that same someone from the night before leaning from the door watching me. Not too frightening at first until this someone just vanishes again after realizing I saw it. What was this thing exactly? I have my own theories. What are yours? All of the names used here are fake. So here's a small background. I was trying to get over an ex at the time. My friend Maggie randomly texted me saying, Hey, would you be opposed to going on a date with Audrey? Audrey is a mutual friend. And I said, no. So I try to talk to her, but I don't feel any sparks. The next day, I try to ask a group of friends to hang out, and there's one girl in the group. And one of my other friends in the group texts me saying, Dude, stop hitting on Alexandra. Focus on Audrey. And I'm like, uh. Later that day, I spaced out at a traffic light, completely sober. When the truck in front of me turns right, I automatically think, huh, the light must be green. So I go. I hear some light honking, but I ignore it. I was halfway through the intersection, which is 30 mile per hour back road and a 55 mile per hour highway, when I realized the light was red, and for some reason, I stopped. I heard a car behind me swerve to not hit me, so I kept going and had to stop on the side of the road to process what had just happened. And this is when things get weird. My friends never mention Audrey to me again. And a month later, she starts dating somebody else, Jake. And so I assume that's why. However, a few months later, I text Maggie asking if she remembers trying to set me up with Audrey. And her response was, No, Audrey and Jake were together, I'm pretty sure. I thought she was pulling my chain, but I went back to old text messages and I couldn't find any that mentioned Audrey in the first place, let alone friends trying to set me up with her. The weird thing about this experience is I didn't black out. I was conscious the whole time, so I don't know if I died and switched to another reality, but I know damn well I wasn't imagining this. Also, Maggie claims that she'd been having consistent dreams of me dying, and that they stopped when this happened. 
My father told me a pretty crazy story last night when he was drinking. He rarely drinks, so when he does, it's a night of a thousand high fives and a thousand obscure Shakespearean quotes. This one, however, was maybe the first story to actually grab my attention, so I thought I'd share it with you. He starts by telling me that his first job while in high school was at a haunted video rental store in the small shit town he grew up in. I'm not personally saying his town was shit. I'm quoting my father when he says, in the small shit town I grew up in. The shop he worked at wasn't a big, fancy blockbuster or Hollywood video either. Not at that time. No, it was called Woodland Video, and it was the only location to its name, located somewhere on some forgotten street in his small shit town. But it was the same one that he used to rent videos at with his dad, so he really loved the place. He kind of spoke with pride when he described the red carpet, worn thin from decades of customers walking in and out, years of indecisive pacing, blending the red fibers with the concrete below until its compression left a nostalgic imprint in my father's mind. Each discoloration and stain boasting its longevity, its existence, not only in his, but also the memories of countless other customers. The ones who'd helped add to its abstract declaration of timelessness. Then, my dad sits up and gets real serious. He tells me that his first shift was to close the store with Wendy. She was the manager, and she was new at it too, only two weeks on the job. So, Wendy tells my dad that he'll be taking over the night shifts, Monday through Friday, that she would show him everything that he needed to know that night, and then he was on his own. Wendy appeared eager. Or in my father's words, as far as being scared, she was all but screaming out loud, nervously looking from one corner of the store to another, becoming easily distracted by something that my dad just couldn't see. Hours into the shift, my dad hears something in the back room. It sounds like someone's using the printing calculator. He'd been shown that in the back. It was identical to the one up front, except Wendy said that the one in the back didn't work anymore. My dad said Wendy sort of froze in place, standing in front of him, facing the back room. My dad turned around. There's nothing there, so he walked to the back room. No one. The printing calculator isn't plugged in, and it doesn't appear to have been used, which is exactly what Wendy told him would be the case just as he started to walk back there. So what, is this place haunted or something? My dad said that he was sort of kidding, but also couldn't really understand what had happened. Wendy told him that she didn't know about that, but that something was off about this place. She told him, wait till you see what happens at 10 every night. And he did. As 10 o'clock rolled around, the sound of someone walking around in the back room. Quiet, but deliberate footsteps. The sound was coming from the back exit, through the room, 
and then, right next to where my dad was standing, passing him and continuing on to the front door, and then the footsteps trailed off. It was closing time, and Wendy wasn't giving my dad any more information on this clearly remarkable thing he'd just experienced. He explained that the store was owned by a Mr. Murray, and that Mr. Murray had lost his wife the same year he'd hired my dad. He and his wife had run Woodland Video together for 25 years. It was always Mr. Murray handling the front end, and Mrs. Murray handling the books and inventory. After a while, they were both too old to work in the place, hiring people here and there. Wendy was just the newest employee since Mrs. Murray had died. As my dad said, Wendy couldn't handle it, meaning that Wendy was afraid of ghosts, and apparently my dad wasn't. He said, well, he swore on his life, actually, that he felt it was a human spirit in that store and that the steps were that of a person. And this person had a nightly routine, seemed to love the store, and wasn't trying to scare anyone. He says he's almost certain it was Mrs. Murray, and that she was just looking after the place, waiting for Mr. Murray to join her, which my dad says was about three years later. By that time, he'd moved out of town, and Woodland Video would be replaced by a blockbuster several years later. And so we've reached the end of the darkest hour. I want to thank everyone for sharing their stories. And of course, everyone for listening. Be sure to join me every Friday night. And if you want to keep listening to the show, and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, amandadarkesthour at gmail.com. And check out our subreddit, The Darkest Hour YT. Stay spooky. Spooky.